time to head to Collector's Corner, where today our collector comes from Christchurch. He has an extensive collection of recipe books, but not the sorts you're used to seeing, probably. Not the sorts you'd pick up at your local bookshop. Um, Martin James collects Edwardian and sometimes Victorian recipe books and food stories, including the sorts of recipe collections that have been collated by hand by generations of homemakers. Martin joins me now. Hello there. Uh, Kia ora, Jesse. Thanks for your time today. I'm so excited to talk to you. Um, can you give us a bit of your background in food? Uh, I started, um, I trained as a home economics teacher um, about 40 years ago, um, the first male home ec teacher in New Zealand, but I didn't know that at the time until huh. I arrived at the teacher's college and there was no other guys in the department. So uh-huh. that was the beginning of my, my food story, really. And um, I taught home economics for nearly 40 years. So I still do a bit of um, part-time teaching. And then in amongst that, I've just um, had a great interest in um, heritage cooking and and looking at what we eat through you know, a lens of our ancestors, because that's where the stories are. It's all fine to have a picture of great granny, but it's really nice to know what she was cooking and make the connections. And sometimes we can find recipes from our great-grandparents' handwritten notes stuck in a book, and, you know, that's when you really create um, that connection. Yeah, how did that um, begin for you, that that journey into, I guess you call them vintage cookbooks? Um, I I think I was about 15, and uh, an elderly lady who was doing some work for me at um, Ferrymead Heritage Park or working with me, she gave me a Mrs Beaton's 1886 household management in absolutely stunning condition, and she said, I think you'll have a great interest in this. And um, I guess from that moment on, I was really drawn to, you know, to the story of food and to to the history of um, of of what we eat and um, and not not why we eat. You know, we eat because we're hungry, but um, why we eat what we eat in terms of like equipment and conditions and uh, you know what we can grow, uh, what we can source, what we can store. Um, so that's that's how it sort of grew, and then from there I just started collecting um, recipe books, um, mostly um, not so much the printed. I've got lots of printed ones, but the ones that really interest me are the are the handwritten ones that have been passed down through generations, and then sometimes the next generation's not are so much interested in it, or there's no one else, you know, in a family, and they say, well, we don't want to chuck out. Um, you know, grandma's or great grandma's mm. or an auntie's recipe book, uh, rescue them from um, op shops or, but mostly that that gifts people give them to me, which is really really nice. It's, and it's um, you know you're really privileged to to have these books, um, you know, given to you in those circumstances. That, that is a thing of the past, isn't it, Martin? For better or for worse, those um, handmade recipe books. My wife has got one, but but these days you cut and paste an email yeah. and. Uh, I, mean, I think I think probably most of our listeners will have something like that, but it's not going to last forever, is it? Well, the thing is, you can easily lose those sorts of things. Someone dies, and something's on a memory stick, and or a computer's sold, or lost, or stolen, or just gives up, and then you know you lose all of those sorts of things. So the um, handwritten ones, are, you know, are really the best. I um, have a project I use at school where I get the students to create, uh, like we call it, a memory recipe book, and um, they need to do some research and talk to you know older members of their family or community. And put them together, and most most choose to handwrite them. Huh. A few like to, um, you know, create so a digital online version. But um, I do encourage the handwritten ones because, you know, and, and these days with um, modern technology, you can take photos and you can have a photo of your kitchen. All those things that 
that make it really interesting. It's not just a recipe scratched on a bit of paper, but all of a sudden there's a picture of, you know, grandma in the kitchen or uh, uh, the oven that she was using or the, the table setting and stuff like that. So it's it's keeping those connections going. And uh, that's, that's for me, I'm, I'm sitting at a table covered with, with recipe books, handwritten ones mm. that are keeping the connections going. And some of the people I don't know, some of them have never been named in their, their quote. They're, you know, many, many pages, and not that someone's just scratched it out. They've really put lots of work into it, and I think, well, that person's memory is still right here in front of me. Is it easy to writing? Yeah, I was going to say, is it easy to decipher the handwriting? No, I've got, I've got probably my oldest one is probably from the. I think we've dated it about 1850, and um, it's written. It's been a a ledger. Um, We can't work out what the ledger was for. There's lots of um, how many of this they bought and how many of that, but no one can decipher what it is. Mm-hmm. And at some stage it's been turned upside down and the pages have been used to write the recipes. And so you look through the recipe writing and you can see the ledger details. And it's um, it really is challenging to sit down and read that. It's not uh, it's not an easy read. But there's some real gems. I think my favourite thing and a uh, favourite recipe in that book is a recipe for a cure for a poisoned dog. It's a, <laughs> a, the books come from Rangiora. And it's a cure. It's it's squeezed in between tomato jam and tomato <laughs> toast, and there's the recipe for a poison oh, dog. Oh, so, man. You know, that is amazing. Very, yeah. It must have been topical at the time. Do you ever have a go at these recipes? I use them all the time. So the other thing that I do, I'm, I'm involved with Ferrymead Heritage Park here in Christchurch, and I've been there 44 years as a volunteer, and we run a business called Ferrymead Vintage Dining, and we um, we um, have these uh, huge Edwardian um, dinners and, and lots of other things. And we only cook on a coal range with no electric oh stoves, gas or microwave. That's commitment. And yeah, we have a seven-course menu, and we do have a nine-course one, but that's not so popular. No one wants nine courses. And it's all just all volunteers. So the recipes that we use there um, need to be authentic, simply because we only have authentic equipment, if that makes sense. There's no fancy food processes or wands or anything like that. Yeah. Um, and is it, uh, do you think we're missing something by no longer making these recipes or are they best overall, apart from the occasional event like you're running, are they best left in the past, do you think? No, look, they're really topical. And I was um, reminded of this at the beginning of the year when we had the, the great New Zealand egg shortage. And I had lots of emails from people saying we can't get eggs, but we need to be, you know, we still want to bake and we want to cook. And so my first go-to was the um, books from the uh, published during the Second World War when rationing was on because they're um, – you know, they use egg substitutes, um, golden syrup, baking soda, banana, apple sauce, and things like that. So I thought that was really, really good to be able to go back to, you know, those times. Whereas the depression cookery books that I have uh, are mostly about the cost. So they've got much yeah. cheaper ingredients. But the uh, World War II recipe books are about um, shortage of ingredients. So, you know, we can go back and, and still make that really great date loaf and, um, you know, all those other sorts of baking. What is that, uh, uh, Martin? Um, tragically, I've run out of time for you. What is an ingredient yep. that pops up in these old books that we don't use anymore? Uh, awful. Um, kidneys, all of those sorts of things that I'm not so keen on myself. Um, there's a place for them, but not so much in our kitchens these days. Cardroons? Uh, cardoons, yeah. I've, uh, we grow cardoons at the Heritage Park, and um, no matter what way I've cooked them, they're still basically inedible. They're really, really bitter. 
So, you know, some of those things are just more whimsical. Cooker cardoom, I'm not sure if they were eaten regularly. I think it might have been a bit of a fun recipe that was put in from time to time. A bit topical, a little bit like, you know, perhaps fondue. We don't have that very often either. But, um, yeah, we, we, we leave the cardoons well and truly in the garden. Best place for them. Okay. Um, look, we'll find another excuse to get you on, Martin. Thanks so much for uh, the chat today. Excellent. Thank you. Take care. Martin James, who collects uh, Edwardian cookbooks.